Hey, Travelpreneur, this is Nicole Barrett, sales and marketing expert to top hotels, resorts, and travel brands around the world. In my over 15 years in the business, I have seen a real need among travel pros like you to create a unique brand and market themselves and their businesses properly. My goal with this podcast? To help you navigate this world of travel marketing with direct, simple, and effective strategies so you can attract, engage, and convert an audience of your ideal clients and grow that wildly successful travel business that you dream of. So go ahead, get comfy, and stick around for some tips, stories, and maybe even some laughs. Here we go. Hey, Margie, welcome to the Hey Entrepreneur podcast. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing today? I am good. I am so happy to see your smiling face. Now, listeners <laughs> can't see you, but I can see you. So, Margie, so I'm going to throw some titles out there that I believe that you have. And then I'm going to have you go through them one by one because I'm super impressed by all these titles, right? <laughs> So I'm going to throw them at you and then you're going to maybe talk a little bit about what you do and who you are to these places and networks and et cetera, right? So you're the vice president for True Global Network for CCRA, correct? Yes. Yes. And you're also the founder of Jordan Executive Travel Service. Yes, I am. And you're also a travel writer and a blogger. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And then there's one last one. And I'm going to have you touch on all of these. You're also the ambassador to Nevis. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so why don't oh, you go ahead and bring it all home? <laughs> so that I'll start with the last one first, because that makes me super excited. Um, I am an ambassador for Nevis. Nevis is um, part of St. Kitts Nevis, and it's the tiny little sister island to St. Kitts. But it is my, my happy place. <laughs> it truly is. It's, it's a wonderful place if you've never been. But Yeah, so I'm doing everything I can to make people understand how wonderful it is to help them know where Nevis is. One of the questions we get all the time is, where is Nevis? (laughs) I've never been. And I often have to ask myself, where is Nevis again? Yeah. Yes, yes. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. Um, So, yes, I am an ambassador there. And um, backing up along that list, I do write and blog. So I am developing my own website, margietravels.com, where I'll have all my writings and all the my content and the things I want to put out there in the world. It's just my space to kind of share my thoughts on travel with the world. And I'm a very cultural traveler. So I, I write from that perspective. And I've seen you uh, talk a lot and share a lot about cultural travel, especially yes. on your Instagram is. It's absolutely gorgeous. I love it. And, you know, the content is great too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I like to take that perspective because to me, travel is life-changing. So more so than where to go and what to do, it's it's about who you'll meet and what you'll experience. Right. Um, And further up that path, I did start a travel agency, Jordan Executive Travel, in 2005. I'm not booking a whole lot anymore. I have a couple of agents that still do quite a few bookings, but uh, I manage the agency and try to bring as much information as I can to them. And then at the very top of that list was vice president of the True Global Network for CCRA. And in that role, I get to work with about 3,000 travel agency members and help them grow their business. So it's probably my most profound role and the thing that keeps me busy from nine to five. (laughs) 
So that's the nine to five and you just throw everything else in between while you're sleeping. I love that. Yes. <laughs> love that. Well, thank you for doing that. So let me, let, I'm going to go off on the limb now and just ask you really quickly because you and I were in a clubhouse room thing together. I spotted you like right above me in clubhouse. So how have you been enjoying clubhouse so far? I actually love clubhouse um, for a couple of reasons. Because first and foremost, I can pop in there and I can listen to whatever topic I'm interested in. And there's no prep for it. I can right. jump in quietly and jump out quietly if I want to. You can to. be in bed. In bed. I can be in my pajamas, hair not done, whatever. And it's fine. Nobody can hear me or see me. But there's a lot of great content being shared in Clubhouse. So it's one of my favorite places to be. It's not um, like... Facebook or Instagram, where you're just scrolling through endless rows of photos and right. comments and memes. There's none of that. This right. is straight business content. There is some shenanigans in the evening. If you're into that, if you want to get into uh, the shenanigans, yes. they're there. Um, but <laughs> My biggest shenanigan, though, has been in the whiskey rooms with... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have to be a part of a whiskey room with uh, some travel agents and this uh, rat by Nadej. I'm not sure if, you, sure if you know who Nadej is. Uh, yes. I love her whiskey rooms and I find myself in there till 1, 1 30 in the morning. I'm like, what is this? Oh, yes. what I'm doing? But if you're <laughs> the time suck, right? Do it on Clubhouse for sure. But you're right. There yes. are some really, really good business rooms. And I've been listening in on conversations in Clubhouse and, and maybe cooking and maybe peeling a potato or something. And I have to like run and dry my hands and grab a pen and paper because there's mm -hmm. really good information that's coming off of Clubhouse. All the time, all the time. Yeah. So when I'm when I've got some downtime or if I'm just sitting around outside, I like to sit outside and have a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. um, I'll pop on Clubhouse if there's anything interesting there I want to take in. And you're right. Just have a notebook handy because yeah. you're going to get something you're going to want to share. You're going to want to do or implement yeah. or something you didn't know about. So it's a fabulous That's platform. Fantastic. Or you may get an idea to host a, host a room yourself. So which leads us seamlessly into what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about some of the ways that travel agents, travel advisors can change the market moving forward, because you and I know we start, we were talking about this before we hit that record button, that it's been a heck of a year. It's been a heck of a year and things have changed. And while yes, we'll spend, we'll spend the past year, like, you know, taking care of our, our facial or skin routines, right? And our hair is our hair. Yes. We're going to come out of this glowing with beautiful skin and great hair. Yes. Yeah. But we also have to change the way that we do business. And so let's talk a little bit about some of the ways that you've seen or heard of or expect travel agents to change their business or their marketing moving forward. So just to touch on Clubhouse uh, a little bit, what's been beautiful about uh, the past several weeks in Clubhouse is that I have seen travel agents who are introverts, who have never done a live before, a Facebook live or Instagram live who never thought that they could be speaking to a room full of people hosting their, their own clubhouse uh, rooms and clubs, et cetera, and collaborating with other travel agents. Have you seen that? Yes, there, it's, it takes away that intimidation factor. So there's not a camera staring at you in the face. There's not, you know, hundreds of people sitting there looking at you, waiting for you to say something brilliant. There is just you and your phone. Yes, and while there are people in the room with you, that intimidation factor is completely gone. So it's a great way to kind of get in there and share your perspective. 
um, and, and be who you really want to be because that camera puts a lot of fear in, in front of people. But <laughs> it does. And also, too, I have found is a great way to talk about, share stories on your stories or your, your client stories or testimonials on an on niche, right? So if you have a really great niche or um, a niche that you said, you know what, I'm going to test this niche or have a conversation around this and see what happens. It is a great way to host a room that is your niche. For example, this whiskey room that Nadej does, right? It's the whiskey room because she is into whiskey travel. So this is a great platform for her to to attract and engage with an ideal list of clients who she wouldn't otherwise have had the chance to have this this conversation with. So have you been to those niche rooms and what are your thoughts on that? This is the best part about Clubhouse is you can niche down to the tiniest of thing that you think right. wouldn't there wouldn't really be an audience for. And there actually is. Yeah. Um, I stumbled into a room non-travel related, but there's a lot of buzz around NFTs. Mm-hmm. And I stumbled into a room um, with people who were talking about NFTs and totally, you know, captivated me for the next hour or two. But you can so niche down. So if your thing is like Italian cooking or mm-hmm. whatever it is, you can niche down. And what I what I like to see is if agents try to collab with somebody, it's great to be there and be yourself. But I'm starting to notice that the rooms that have a panelist, a, a group of panelists there rather than a sole speaker, unless you're really well known like that, right. um, that have a couple of people joined with them seem to get a better attraction than just that sole speaker does. Unless you're, you're superb at what you do, you can draw a crowd as well. I, um, I think the first time I got into Clubhouse, there was this amazing panel that I did not get to listen to. I was so sad. I had some other plans, but it was a panel of physicians talking about COVID-19 and the vaccines. Mm. Who wouldn't want to sit in and listen to that? Absolutely. Or, mm-hmm. or even I've seen rooms where uh, they've had uh, Elon Musk or Mark yes. Zuckerberg. Like that's a really good room to sit in on and, and learn something outside of your yes. industry. And we should also point out that to people who are not familiar with Clubhouse because it's not open to everyone yet, is that what happens when you're when you're speaking is that you're able to invite or accept people to join you on the stage. And what I've seen in rooms, like yesterday I was in a room with uh, some of the travel agents who are in my program, like Zachary Burns, uh, Alex, and, and Jenny Mancini, who were talking about, they were just talking about eco-travel. And they were moderating, moderating this room together. And they had uh, a mix of industry folks and their ideal clients who were listening in. Yes. And their ideal clients were able to then now come on stage, have a real humanized conversation with them. And that's what leads to the behind the scenes of, you know, sliding into the DMs or booking a consultation call, for example. So it's right. a great way, absolutely, absolutely beautiful way to do that. And I love when they collaborate. It makes my heart sing. Like, I love that. Love that. It's, it's so, a wonderful thing. So absolutely yeah. recommend it. Perfect. I definitely recommend it as well. I see it as a way forward for people in the industry to get to speak to not just industry folks, but the people who they want to attract to their business. And which also leads me to another thing, because I've seen Clubhouse tie into podcasting quite a bit. Um, even my own podcast, I've hosted rooms where I talk about the latest podcast episode and I may talk about this podcast episode in a couple <laughs> in the near future. Right. Um, and Margie, I would love to have you on. I'm telling you that now. Right. 
<laughs> so, you know, and then I've seen uh, travel agents like Zachary Burns, right? And he has started a podcast called The Kilted American. And he's then created a clubhouse club called The Kilted American. And what he mm. does is he specializes in uh, UK travel, but mainly Scottish wow. travel, right? Yeah. So I think that's beautiful. And uh, Megan Chopper and I, I'm not sure if you know Megan Chopper from the yes. Radio Podcast. We hosted a masterclass uh, where we, we did that live and we trained travel agents who are, were considering or are considering starting a travel podcast. And so we see a trend in travel agents saying, you know, I'm going to go where my people are, right? So a lot of affluent travelers listen to podcasts. So that may be another way moving forward to start to put yourself out there. Have you seen a trend in that as well or any conversations happening around that? Yeah, some are happening with podcasting. Um, one of the bigger things we always say to agents is that if you're going to start it, make sure you have a plan, not a short-term right. plan just to start, yeah. but a long-term plan. What is your content? What, who are you, who is your audience and who are you going to be talking to? And why does that content matter? I think one of the biggest questions you could ask is why does it matter? And how can you make this meaningful to people that you're, you're going to be presenting it to? Right. So if you're going to do it, make sure you have a long-term plan to sustain your podcast and that you actually, you know, have some goals related to this. A lot of people just start. And I know that's our favorite thing. <laughs> you're better off to just start than do nothing at all. And I agree with that. But to an extent, you still have to have a plan. You have to have an idea of what you're going to do. And you don't want to start something and then shut it down a month or two in because you weren't able to sustain it long term. Because a podcast is a commitment. Yes. I, it's a I, commitment. It is. Oh, you're telling me? <laughs> are you telling me? Marjorie? You, you are. Speaking to the, you're preaching to the converted, okay? Yes, it's a commitment. And and that's the thing you have to consider when you implement these things, because podcasting is wonderful, but it's a commitment and it's a long-term one. (laughs) It it, it is a long-term. You have to play the long game. And that's why Megan and I were sitting down in this masterclass saying, listen, before you leave here, you need to come up with at least 10 episodes, right? Episode topics. And while you're at it, go to 30, go to 50. It is a long-term plan. Uh, but I also feel like podcasts work better when they are niched, right? And it's yes, even absolutely. harder to come up with topics when you're very niched, right? So it's kind yes. of like not general travel topics, but let's say it's even Scotland, like Zachary, for example, that becomes like, wow. But also because you are playing the long game and because you are niched, I believe that now you're probably not having, you know, 5,000 subscribers, but if you have 500 very engaged subscribers who are waiting to hear what you have to say, it makes it even better. So, well, and you have to be okay with that too, with niching, because a lot of agents still haven't done that yet. Right. So it, it's something you really have to consider, especially moving forward in this pandemic. Yeah. You, you need to have something you're an expert in and something you're willing to talk about. I agree. So I was reading uh, an article uh, on Travel Weekly where you were mentioned, Miss Margie, and you were talking about that offering travel bookings via social media with two squarely placed agents in competition with OTAs, right? And then you were talking about how that leads to the whole um, consultation factor, right? And how, how do we now get people? Because you know, for example, people aren't, people aren't picking up the phones anymore. They're not picking up the mm-hmm. phone to call you as an agent. And 
how do we now get people to go down that funnel to book a consultation call with us? And when you're talking about like podcasting or a clubhouse, you have to have a plan for, for both of those things. Like we can't just show, I mean, we can, right. Occasionally happens. I've shown up on clubhouse and been pulled into a room. Like I, you know, or I thought it was very interesting. I had no plan. Right. And I just showed up and that's fine. But if you're going and saying, you know, I have a scheduled room or I am hosting a podcast, you have to have a plan to get people down to your funnel to book a call with you because it's not going to happen. It's not happening anymore. However, the difference between the OTA, as you know, and a travel agent or travel advisor is that that's a human being. But, you know, I always talk about building a no like and trust factor is like, you know, people get to know you by you putting your some of your lifestyle, personal information out there, right? Your family, your coffee, whatever. People tend to trust you because you're building authority, establishing yourself as an expert. You're talking about destinations, what you know, who you know, but they're not going to get a chance to like you unless you've humanized yourself, right? So, right. So can you make me laugh? Are you entertaining? Do we take our coffee the same way? Do we have the same breed or dog or do we just not like cats at all? Like, how can we connect so I can actually like you, right? And it's Mm -hmm. difficult when people aren't picking up the phone. So how do we then take something like Clubhouse or blogging or uh, podcasting and humanize it and show our personalities? Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, So one of the things I can say is when you're trying to get somebody into that funnel and somebody to call you and just show a little bit of who you are, it's really about how you present yourself. So when they can't see your face, they can't see your expression, sometimes how you talk matters. And if you're on a call and you're talking and you're smiling, that comes through. All of that personality comes through. Like on the the one we were in, we were listening to Glow Atanmo. And um, all of her personality always exudes on every single photo, every single blog post, every single podcast she does, every single clubhouse. It also helps helps that we follow her on Instagram as well. So we we know her personality a little bit, too. We do. But even in the photos that she posts, it's always this big joy, smile, she's just enjoying life. And I think part of that is because of that, that's who she is and that's what she presents and it makes her easy to follow and easy to, to get to know. Right. I did a post on my Instagram page not too long ago that said, allow me to reintroduce myself. And I gave everybody just a quick snippet of who I was. I told them I'm not even five feet tall. Um, I like, co- I like tea, not coffee. And I just shared these little snippets of who I was. And I'll do that from time to time because I feel like it helps people get to know who I am. I share a little piece of my life. I share a little piece of my story. Um, I share some of my travel experiences. Um, Even I have a couple of goofy photos that I'm going to post, which I normally don't do. But (laughs) um, somebody said something to me that, that made it very real to me that I felt like maybe a couple of years ago, I didn't feel like I was being so authentic on social media. Somebody said to me, I don't think people know who you really are. And I said, what do you mean? And they say, because all of this stuff that you do at home, none of that is ever reflected on social media because I'm like crazy silly. I'm the prankster. I'm all of that. And none of that ever shows on social media. I don't get that, Margie. I don't get that. (laughs) I don't 
Wait, so wait, you're so funny. I wrote this down. I don't get that you're a prankster. I'm gonna, I'm, we're gonna stick a pin. And you're gonna come back to that question because I need to oh this to you. So I had a client call this morning. She said I told her I was interviewing you for my podcast today, and I'll, I'll say her name. Her name is Janine. Hey, Janine. She says about Margie, about you. She says you will enjoy Margie. She is giving with her information and very knowledgeable. That's what she said. To me. <laughs> She didn't say prankster, right? She did not say prankster. <laughs> and now I'm hearing that you're a prankster. And I'm like, what? I didn't get that. Janine oh didn't get if that. You, if you were to ask um, my boyfriend, he would tell you that I torture him around the house with my pranks. Yeah. So I'm trying to bring more of that side to life in social media um, just to show I who I really that. am. I would love that. <laughs> but you know I have you're a lot ready. of fun <laughs> I agree listen I I recommend to people to, to do like a a reintroduction post but a still when I say silly one like a fun fact like you know fun facts about who, just who, who you are you who you what are do you love yeah Where do you want to travel like exactly. even in clubhouse when you set up your bio right even in clubhouse there's opportunity there to attract who you want to connect with yeah so some of the things I did in there was, you know, a couple lines about who I am and what I did. Don't, you don't need to write a book, mm-hmm. but a couple lines about who you are and what you're, what you're doing and who you're looking to connect with. Um, I'm a traveler. So clearly that's in the profile, right. but I made a comment that there's certain destinations I have on repeat. And I, I put the flags of those destinations and in I, my I name. Those and are the ones I, I go that. back to right and over and over that. again. And I love that Jamaica is one of those. (laughs) Of course, (laughs) you you have to put a little bit of you into all that you do, whether it's the bio, whether it's your post, because the more people get to know you and they feel comfortable with you and they can identify with a piece of who you are, it builds your audience, it builds your client base so much easier and they feel more comfortable working with you. So inject you in everything you do. And, you know, back in the day, Nicole, we used to not do that. We yeah. used to always say, keep it professional, keep it, keep it this, yes. but that day is over. There's it's an over. element of professionalism mm-hmm. that you always need to maintain always, but if that professionalism isn't infused with who you really are. Then right. It's not authentic. I love that. And I, you know, I see the solo agents and I know they're solo, you know, they're solo, but you go to their website and it says about us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I we mean, are, and our <laughs> mission and philosophy is, and I'm like, oh, I'm cringing on the inside. <laughs> right. But you know, you know, you're right. You know, those, I recommend we do that every few months and I've done, you know, and, and here's what I have found that these are some of the most engaging posts. So I have shared in, in some of these posts, I think when the last one I did, I talked about what I could have done in life and how I went, uh, you know, what my, basically my journey to how I got here and how I was accepted to uh, broadcasting school, full scholarship to be a TV presenter, and I didn't choose it. How I was chosen by the mayor of Boston to go to an event in Memphis, Tennessee. And it was just like, you know, I turned down the second option, but because I knew my path. I talked about like how my very first car was a 1991 Corolla, you know, Toyota Corolla, I think. But yeah, but I agree with you. Um, I love sharing bits and pieces about myself. And you're right, that era of uh, let's keep it professional it is it's gone. Uh, again, keep it professional, but still show a little bit about yourself. So the way I like to say it, I, I look at professionalism versus belonging, right? So, you know, years ago, if you were laying on the beach 
and you're thinking, okay, I have something really good to share with my audience, right? And you're laying on the beach in your bathing suit. There was one time years ago when you're like very hesitant. Do I go live in this bathing suit? What do I do? <laughs> right? Yeah. You're on a beach and you have something to say to me. I don't expect you to be in a polo shirt or a three-piece suit, <laughs> right? You need to look right. like you belong on the beach. So I say when you're fearful about things like this, ask yourself, do I look like I belong? Keep it professional Mm -hmm. in your delivery, but look like you belong on the beach. And if you want to throw a cover up on, go ahead. But let's definitely look like we belong for sure. Okay, good. So love, 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 love that. So something else I would love to talk to you about, about moving forward, because I also read your article also in Travel Weekly on traveling while black. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk a little bit about diversity because what we're seeing now in over the past year, especially, and the change in culture and a change in or the conversation surrounding race and inclusivity, um, whether it is race or LGBT or anything else that you know warrants inclusivity, we're seeing a change in a lot of the efforts that travel agents are putting out there. Now, while we're all still inside, I believe that we may not have seen the what we can see from these hopeful changes that are hopefully coming, right? But I feel that once we break free from the past year and we're out there, I would love to see a lot more inclusivity and diversity surrounding that. And you recently wrote an article about that for Travel Weekly. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, there's a lot of work to do in the travel industry. Um, Fortunate to be sitting on the Black Travel Advisory Board with Travel Weekly or North Star. And um, I also sit on the advisory board with Travel Unity and both organizations, both companies deal with diversity. And I think we still have a long way to go. And some of the conversations I've had centered around this topic in terms of what needs to change. There was a, um, a survey Travel Weekly did, and the results of that survey weren't surprising, but they were very disheartening. Um, Because the survey literally said that of the people that responded, I want to say it was 61% of the people that white people that responded said the industry was diverse. Of those that responded that were black, roughly the same percentage said the industry is not diverse. Mm. And I remember sitting in one of the board meetings and going, how do you move forward when the black people say there's an issue? and Our white counterparts say there's no issue. Right. So we're back to convincing everybody that there's something wrong that needs to be fixed. It's why we don't see the needle moved very much because nobody that can influence that needle thinks there's a problem. Right. And everybody that's suffering under that needle is going, hey, there's a problem. Right. So how do you move initiatives forward? if they don't think there's an issue. And what we've seen over time is that, okay, so maybe there is some diversity training, you know, a company can do and and they do diversity training and they check that off the box. So done. We've all been trained. We're good. Yeah. There's no difference in new hires. There's no difference in promotions. There's no difference in marketing. We're good, right? We're good. Even in some of the conversations we're hearing, 
I want to call them unconscious biases. Not that people are racist. That's not it. It is just biases that have been there for a long time that that have never been brought to light. Like um, someone said, you know, they're thinking about including uh, black people in this certain thing. And it's something that wouldn't have occurred before. When I hear that, I always thought the conversation, I said, do you hear that? Why wouldn't it have been something that wouldn't have been considered before? Yeah. The other thing that I, I think is important for us to understand is a lot of times people don't see that diversity is an issue because it doesn't affect you. Right. Everybody you see looks like you, especially if, if it's a white counterpart. Everybody you see looks like you. And um, all the marketing you see is geared towards you. All the opportunities you see, they all fit you. They look like you. But then when it comes to us as Black people, we struggle to see images that look like us. It's it's not just us. I I don't want to make it seem like it's just Black people that have this problem. But it's diversity across the board. You don't see people that look like you. You don't see marketing geared towards you. Um, I've always said luxury travel has the greatest hurdles to get over because we're rarely, if ever, reflected in their marketing. We're rarely, if ever, marketed to for luxury products. And the fact that or the thought that we don't travel with luxury brands is false, is completely false. Or or do different types of travel. For example, search adventure travel or skiers, or ski vacations, or whatever it is. Or camp. Or camping. (laughs) And I've done all of those, right? (laughs) I've done all of those. And I definitely have some melanin in my skin. But if you Google that, none of that comes up. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that diversity goes beyond skin color, right? Mm -hmm. Because it also goes beyond um, cultural differences, or even um, shape age, right? Religion, religion, sexual orientation, gender. (laughs) The beautiful thing that I'm, that I'm seeing happening in my community is that I have some travel agents in my community who are not black folks. They are beautiful white folks who are starting to embrace diversity. And so when I go to their page and I go to their Instagram and I see these diverse colors and shapes and ages and sizes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. And so I really truly believe that moving forward, there is still a lot of work to be done for Mm -hmm. sure. But I think that we can slowly start to say, you know what? And if we truly believe it, that travel right now, this era is, it's different because it is like, it just is overnight. However, we can make it bigger and better because we're sitting in this space right now where we have an opportunity to really think it through and redesign it the way we would like to see it moving forward. So I absolutely love that. And I know that as travelers, and we, you, you and I were speaking before we were recording, that we've both had uh, times where, you know, us traveling, whether it's the Caribbean or elsewhere, have been mis- mistaken, especially in the Caribbean, uh, as stuff. And if you can share your story, I'm going to share mine while you think of a story. If you, if you have one, I believe you do. Um, I do. You do. I was in the Caribbean with my family, by the way, and we were just there just hanging out. And I went to uh, get something. We were in a restaurant together and I went to, I got up to go to the buffet to get something for my kids. And I, on my way back with food in my hand and I wasn't wearing a shirt. I looked like I worked there. In fact, I was wearing a bathing suit and a cover up. And I would stop and ask and say, excuse me, 
can you help me do this? And it was, the question was so extensive that only a staff member would be getting that type of question. It's not like, do you know where the pool is? Or do you Mm -hmm. know where the nurse's station is? It's not like they were asking a stranger. They were asking me as if I was a staff to fix that challenge for them. And I was like, wow, this is quite interesting, right? And you, I don't know if you know my background, but I mean, I, I, I grew up in Jamaica where, mm-hmm. you know, for me, you know, the, the majority of us are, are Black Africans, but even among the non-Black Africans, it was more classism than racism. So I didn't know what that felt like. So for me to come, when I came to the U.S. and I experienced racism for the first, for, for the very first time, I was maybe 18 or 19. And I had, it was almost like I had absolutely no idea what was happening to me. It, it didn't resonate. It, it, I thought the person was having a stroke, right? Now, by that time, when I went to this Caribbean island with my, with my children, I knew what it felt like. But that wasn't so much racism as it was that um, what you discussed earlier, I forgot what you called it, that's been sitting the prejudices or was it? Pre- yes. That was been sitting there for a while. And it's, it's interesting, right? And I'm, I'm sure that has happened to you before. Yeah, it has. You know, it's the Caribbean is the place that I'm more often asked questions that you would ask staff members that worked at a a hotel or resort. Uh, I was leaving my room one day and um, we had an event in the hotel and I was just leaving my room and heading downstairs. I wasn't dressed in any particular way, no shirt that would make you think that I worked there. Um, I wasn't dressed in a suit or anything like that. I'm just leaving my room in some casual clothes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just casual clothes. And I'm leaving my room and another guest, a white guest was walking towards me and he stopped me and asked me if I could get some towels for his room and wow. some other things. And I, I kind of looked at him. I said, I don't work here. And he looked at me, he's like, oh, oh, oh okay, you're not. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I just assumed you worked here. And I'm like, yeah. I bet you did, but yeah. I don't work here. I'm, yeah. I'm a get, I, I literally said to him, I'm a guest just like you are. Yes. And he just kind of looked at me puzzled. Yeah. I just, it happens um, a lot. It, in it the, does happen the a lot. Now mm-hmm. I, and, and the thing with me is that coming from a hotel background, right? So having worked for sandals and beaches and, having worked for Starwood and Fairmont, I'm used, like it's ingrained in me to be hospitable. So when this white lady asked me a a question that she would ask a staff, I should have immediately said, I'm sorry, I don't work here. But the person inside of me decided to find a staff member who could help her. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) Right? So it's kind of like, (laughs) you know, what I should have said, I'm sorry, I do not work here. And just keep it moving, but I didn't do that. And, and so anyways, it's just interesting, but you know, you're absolutely correct in everything that you, that you're saying that, listen, moving forward, we absolutely need to change this. So while we're embracing the new ways of marketing, whether it's clubhouse or podcasting or new social media content or different email marketing, live events, regular events, while we're embracing all these new methods, let's also embrace how to connect with people the right way and how to connect with the right people and how to be better humans. Right. And how mm-hmm. to talk authentically and be kind. And just, you know, like I tell my kids when they're walking out the door, be nice, you know, just, yes. just embrace being nice and being inclusive. So I absolutely, absolutely agree. And do you get that while you're traveling in Europe a lot as well? Not so much in Europe. Um, I don't really have that sort of thing happening. Um, I, I've had some interesting things happening with 
flights and that and the other. Um, One time I was getting on a flight and I had a first class seat. They called for boarding. We were still in the boarding area and they called for us to board. And he was standing behind me. He literally, I I wish I could just like show you like how he shoved me Mm. and cut around me to get, because I was heading towards to go in to the gate as well as he was. And he just cut completely around me, cut me off and rushed into the line Mm. and got in and he sat down. So I was a few people behind him getting on. And when I got in and sat down and he saw me, he's like, oh, why didn't you just say you were in first class? Too? Why? My first thought was, why did I have to? Why did you, why why did you make why the assumption you? that you yeah. should just cut me off, that I couldn't possibly be in first class mm-hmm. and you just cut me off? Yeah. That happened numerous times over. I've often said that travel for me has been um, the one experience where I can just be an American. Yeah. In the article for Travel Weekly, I wrote about my experience in Africa and the realization that I didn't have to identify myself by the color of my skin. Because, you know, they ask what your nationality is. And if you've lived for long in the U.S., the nationality isn't where you're from. It's the color of your skin. You're white, you're black, you're Hispanic, you're something. You know, it's it's a color of your skin designation, and that's what's ingrained in my brain. Yeah. So when I'm traveling and you fill out the little form and they ask you what nationality you are, my instinct is to put black or African American or something along those lines. And when you're looking around and everybody looks like me, they're all melanated like me, and I'm sitting there <laughs> thinking, okay, they can't want to know I'm black because everybody yeah. is. <laughs> You know, and I'm trying to figure right. out what do these people want to know? <laughs> and it, it dawned on me that you're an American girl. You're an American. Just you're an American. Saying. <laughs> saying oh, my God. On the paper. I love that. And <laughs> honestly, so, you know, back to the first class thing. I've also had that happen to me, too, where they call for boarding for first class boarding. And I got up to go first class boarding. And this, this white gentleman clearly going on a business trip, you know, behind me said she said first class. And I said, I know she said first class. And I just walked past him. So I've had that. I've had that. And back to the Europe question too, is that here's what I love about Europe is that for me, it's a little bit more freeing in mm-hmm. terms of being, right? So I had a conversation just yesterday with someone who was interviewing me for an article about uh, what it's like having dual nationalities or dual cultures. And I spent more than half my life in the United States and I'm not, I'm not Jamaican enough to to Jamaicans and I'm not American enough to Americans. So for me, I have decided I'm a global citizen. And Europe (laughs) is where I feel the most comfortable. Like when I'm in Europe, I don't have to think, who am I who am I in this moment? Am I Jamaican Nicole or am I American Nicole? Right. Uh, But in the Caribbean, I have to think like that. But in Europe, I feel completely free. So it's funny how these regional changes, but anyway, like we just went off on that topic and I love (laughs) it. I loved it, right? <laughs> we said what we said. <laughs> yes. No apologies, but it is right. really important to know that while we're embracing all these changes, I, I urge you, I charge you guys, like I give you a challenge to, to say, hey, I sell travel and lots of people travel. And if I want to extend my portfolio or get new clients from all over the place, you have to cast a wider net. And that includes for color, for ages, for sizes, for sexual orientation, 
for religion, we, we have to be open. So that is, yeah. of course, if we want a sustainable business, like if we want new business. So, oh, this has been lovely, Margie. Is there anything else that you would like to add before we close up? I just, this has been great. I enjoyed every moment of it and appreciate you having me on. Oh, uh, anytime. So tell us, where can people find you, Margie? So you can find me literally on most social platforms as Margie Travels. Um, my website will be launched soon. It is margietravels.com. And really social media is the quickest and easiest way to reach out to me. So Margie Travels on all platforms. Awesome, folks. And I'll put all of this in the show notes. And if you can definitely find Margie on uh, Clubhouse, I've seen her hanging about in a few rooms. And <laughs> we've co-hosted or co-moderated one room together, I think. It was Will yes. when he was on his yes. dinner. Hey, Will. Um, <laughs> Will Medina's room. Um, so yeah, so you can find Margie around for sure. It's been lovely having you here. Listen, we're definitely going to host a clubhouse room together. Like I'm putting it out there. I'm telling the world Wonderful. Get back out now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. That will be fun. Awesome. Well, thank you folks. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, please leave us a review and we'll see you around. Bye guys. <laughs>